SAFM Sports Special with John Carricker. There's no sport too small. Time for our regular cycling feature here on SAFM Sports Special. We do it every Sunday around about this time. And if you miss it, you're catching our podcast. Hello, welcome to you, the joys of podcasting. Maylene Painters, the Cycling South Africa PR and Communications Officer. Maylene, some big races coming up for the ladies this week. Yes, John, we've been building up to this for the last couple of weeks now, as you know. And... Um, Two very valuable races for women's cycling that are happening in KZN with the third one happening on the weekend in Johannesburg uh, for the Telcom 947 uh, Cycle Challenge. So these two races uh, form part of the KZN Summer Series. And we spoke this week to the Cycle Nation team manager, Lincoln King, and his women's team will be taking part in the series, one of the um, six South African teams that will be competing. And interesting to hear the... Um, the prestige of the race and what it means to the South African teams as well, and that this will be the first time in their cycling careers that they'll be getting to race in such a high-caliber event where the depth of talent is massive Mm. and the level of performance especially higher than anything that they're used to in the past. So great to hear the local perspective of the racing. Of course, you've also got four international teams coming out. One of those is also the Savella Bigler Pro Cycling Team, which is the home of Ashley Mulman Patio. And with her recent injury, they'll be um, replacing her position in the team with World Championship bronze medalist Lotto Lepisto. So it'll be great to be seeing their team coming out and their best team as well. So uh, we're very excited to be hosting them. A couple of races. What sort of distances and terrain are they riding on, Wayne? Well, I actually heard this weekend that it is a particularly tough race. Um, the distances are in the 100 sort of kilometer range. Right. And uh, one of the races involves a four-lap a four lap circuit on a dirt, dirt road, Ooh. a dirt district road. So it's pretty much got the, like, Strat Bianca sort of Italian race feel to that, where they're mixing up a bit of the tar road with a bit of dirt road as well. So it's uh, challenging, and I believe it's extremely difficult race. So it's going to certainly um, bring out the best in the riders and crown the, you know, the best rider on the day will, will be truly worthy of the prize. And the mechanics again, I hate that as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll be busy. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the 18 World Tour teams. Uh, there was always worry that Team Diodata wasn't going to make it. Are they in there? Yes, if the, according to a report I read on cyclingnews.com this week, is if their paperwork and registration is all in order, then they will be making it. Because after a meeting this week by the Professional Cycling Council, which is the PCC, um, all stakeholders of men's professional road cycling have agreed on a new set of UCR World Tour regulations for 2017 and beyond as well. So earlier in the year, they had stated that they were going to drop the number of UCR World Tour teams down to 17 from 18 this year, which jeopardized the team dimension data uh, position in, in the World Tour teams. But now they've uh, said that there will definitely be 18 uh, world teams with licenses available for the 2017 and 2018 season. So it keeps them secure for two years. And then um, after that, they plan to bring down the world teams down to 17 in 2019 and and 16 teams from 2020 onwards. And the reason for that is to strengthen the competitiveness of the elite level of, of racing. So that, that's the plan um, behind the, the process. And uh, we, we really hope that everything goes well in the, the last uh, documentation phases and that we see team dimension data 
in the World Tour teams next year. And then fight it out to, to, to move up the ranks as well. Let's chat about development now. Uh, tell, tell us about the CODA Cycling Academy winning an award. Yes, um, every year we have the Jack Cheatham Awards that take place, the Murray and Roberts uh, Jack Cheatham Awards. And it's an annual award that recognizes special work done by sports development projects. And the CODA Cycling Academy is uh, based in Hammersdale. And CODA is the acronym for Children of Destiny at Home. And it's a project that was started in Hammersdale in 2014 and has come a very long way in its short two years of existence. And they are getting more and more children from impoverished communities in Hammersdale onto bicycles and instilling important life skills and values into those young lives. And Guy Watkins uh, heads up that, that project, and he was elated with their, their prize. They didn't win, but they were second runner-up in the competition. And in doing so, they won 75,000 rand, which for these development programs goes a really, really long way. So we look forward to seeing what uh, Guy Watkins and his team bring out of the uh, the use of the, the funds there that have just been injected into their projects. Uh, speaking of development, uh, I know, what was it, now, three or four weeks now since you had that development initiative, and we've been talking development today, and uh, a lot of what you know, I was listening to development people in cycling can be used across the board. We had Martin Dre on, and he was a speaker at cycling as well. So uh, it's not uh, – what I'm saying is cycling is doing such a good job in developing cyclists that other sports should be looking at what you guys are doing as well. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of areas that dovetail between the various sporting federations and that one can learn from the other and vice versa. And we really do just have to find the foundation that works and that can be copy, sort of copy-pasted across the, the various other applications where you can tweak, it, tweak the little elements that, that pertain to your sport or to your region. You know, various regions have, have different limitations as well. Various sports have different limitations, but I'm pretty sure it, it could work across all sporting codes. Hmm. Let's chat about doping, the famous cycling thing, <laughs> prohibited substances <laughs> are. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the famous cycling is, is exactly right. You almost feel like it's been put out just for cycling, but it actually <laughs> applies to all sports. And if somebody's listening to this today that is not from cycling, it's worth their while also checking the list because it really does appeal to all sports uh, in the world. And uh, WADA, W-A-D-A, is the World Anti-Doping Agency, and they've just published their 2017 list of prohibited substances and methods. So it's worth your while checking it out. All athletes, any age, particularly if you're at the sharp end of the sport, and particularly if you started any new medications. We're not talking about dopers here, you know, people that are purposefully injecting themselves to uh, enhance their performance. We're talking about... Real people that are just taking medication because something's happened in, in their life, and you really need to check if that is a banned substance or not, because it could label you a cheat or a doper going down the line. So it's really worth your while to check all of that out. If you do find that you are taking something that that is a banned substance, there is a process to be followed where you can apply for a therapeutic use exemption known as a TUE. Mm-hmm. And you, you follow the processes through drugfreesports.org.za and they will guide you um, as to whether you can participate or not or whether they can assign you with a TUE. And Chris Froome can do it. You can do it as well. What is your cycling, <laughs> cycling tip of the week, please, Maylene? Uh, the, the safety tip this week, John, is from the Arrival Live website once again. And it says, avoid riding at night. And uh, <laughs> it's usually a good idea to avoid cycling at night. And the website says, because the dangers you face, both from criminals and careless motorists, 
multiply as soon as the sun sets. Mm. But not only that, John, the important aspect of this uh, riding at night is the sun rise and sun sets at the time of the day. When you know when the sun just catches you in the car, where you just can't really see what's on the road because it sort of blinds you. And uh, that does put pedestrians and cyclists at risk. So just consider that when you're on the bike and not in the car, that you might not be seen. And just uh, if you can help, but try not to cycle around those times of the day. I got two. Gri- I got one gripe and one positive today, Marlene. I was uh, riding, uh, driving home today, Sunday morning. So everybody's getting ready for the big race next weekend, and traffic lights are still a bit of a guideline more to riders than they uh, should be. So we'll no. move on from that one. And I saw, you know, we always moan about taxis, uh, and I was driving uh, on Bayes Nordia today, and a taxi actually moved out of the lane where the cyclist was into the middle lane, went around the cyclist, and went back in again. So a big, big up to that driver as well. You see? Yeah, a big up to that on the one point five me to rule. So yeah. thanks, thank you to the taxi driver that did that and to all motorists to do that to cyclists on the road. Aileen Painter is the PR Communications Officer for Cycling South Africa. Find out more about all the information we talk about on cyclingsa.com.